0: Welcome in to a Sunday special edition of the Fun Astrology Podcast. Thomas Miller, thanks for coming in on an extra day here. Got a nice little fun special for you. This is going to be an excerpt from a chapter that I'm narrating for Steve Forrest for the book called The Endless Sky. And this one really stood out. These are short essays that he has written all through the years and just accumulated them into a book It's a story that you may have heard already. It's about a little boy by the name of James Leininger, who at around the age of two and three, up for another few years, clearly remembered that he was a pilot during World War II that got shot down over Iwo Jima in 1945. What's amazing is that one of the people that were on that mission with him was still alive and was able to corroborate the story. Well, the other thing that's amazing is that we have accurate birth time on James Leininger. So Steve was able to do an analysis of his nodes. And that's what you're going to hear part of. The entire chapter is in the course, the 101 course. So those of you in the course, you can check that out for the completion. And then, of course, it will be available in the book when that's released, probably in about six to eight weeks before we get that finished and out. But without further ado, this is Chapter 17 from Endless Sky. Chapter 17 from the newsletter, September 2021. Reincarnation, so central to evolutionary astrology, is admittedly difficult to prove. In writing the following essay about the eminently verifiable past life memories of young James Leininger, I had two agendas. The first was simply to recount a knock-your-socks-off anecdotal argument for believing that human beings evolve from lifetime to lifetime. The second was to rigorously demonstrate evolutionary astrology's formal procedures of nodal analysis and to give them a chance to show their mettle in the rare situation where we actually know someone's past life story enabling us to compare the two perspectives a case study in reincarnation past lives are a slippery subject an unscrupulous astrologer could tell you that you were once christopher columbus's red-headed scorpio girlfriend and what can you say it can't really be proven one way or the other reality itself is the ultimate test for any theory Much of the theory behind evolutionary astrology rests upon an acceptance of reincarnation. But how can we actually test any of it, let alone prove it? Our critics often make that exact argument, and it is difficult to refute. Probably the best response we can put forth rests in the words of the Tibetan saint, Padma Sambhava, who once simply said, if you want to know your past lives, consider your present circumstances. The evidence of your prior lifetimes is, in other words, visible in your present life. The stories we tell based on our analysis of the moon's south node and the planets connected with it echo in our daily lives today. That is really the heart of the matter and our best response to our critics but it doesn't even get close to really proving the idea of reincarnation. And that circles us back around to our initial dilemma. Our whole system rests on something that people have to take on faith. Or not. Compelling, objective evidence for the reality of prior lifetimes is actually fairly abundant. As I mentioned in the previous essay... I covered a lot of that ground in an early chapter of my book, Yesterday's Sky, Astrology and Reincarnation. But that is not what this newsletter is about. It is about what is perhaps the most convincing evidence for reincarnation to emerge in a generation. In June 2009, a bombshell book was published, Soul Survivor, S-O-U-L, Soul Survivor, The Reincarnation of a World War II Fighter Pilot by Andrea and Bruce Leininger. From his earliest days, their son James was obsessed with aviation. But at the age of two, he began having terrible nightmares about being caught inside a burning, crashing airplane. Tellingly, his knowledge of World War II fighter planes was eerily specific. For example, he knew that a type of fighter plane called the Corsair tended to get flat tires. For another, at the age of three, his mother bought him a toy plane, and she pointed to something that appeared to be a bomb attached to its underbelly. She tells us that James immediately corrected her, informing her that was actually a drop tank, an extra tank of fuel that could be used, then dumped in midair, and was not a bomb at all. I'd never heard of a drop tank, she said. I didn't know what a drop tank was. Remember, when this conversation happened, James was only three years old. As the wheels turned, young James brought forth more and more information, culminating in him naming the ship from which he had taken off. He called it the Natoma. He also recalled the name of his best friend aboard that ship, Jack Larson Both of these highly specific facts were verified. Jack Larson turned out to be real. He was old but still alive and well and living in Arkansas. And he had flown from the Natoma Bay, which was a small aircraft carrier serving near Iwo Jima in World War II. Young James had told his father that he had been shot down in the fierce battle For that same island, there's more. According to a January 2006 story posted by ABC News, through some research, James Dad Bruce Leininger learned that only one pilot from the Natoma Bay had actually been killed in the battle for Iwo Jima. His name was James M. Houston Jr. Further research revealed that Ralph Claiborne. A rear gunner on a U.S. airplane that also flew off the Natoma Bay said his own plane was right next to the one flown by James M. Houston, Jr. during a raid near Iwo Jima on March 3, 1945. He added that, quoting, he saw Houston's plane struck by anti-aircraft fire. I would say that he was hit head-on, right in the middle of the engine. End quote. This, of course, echoed young James' nightmarish memory of going down in a burning airplane. I've only scratched the surface of James Leininger's story here. If you'd like to learn more, go ahead and read Soul Survivor. Leslie Keen's fascinating 2017 book, Surviving Death, also covers the tale with a journalist's eye. If you prefer video... There's a 2021 six-part docu-series, also called Surviving Death, based on her book. It contains compelling footage of the Leiningers speaking for themselves, as well as a lot of other mind-boggling material. Proof of reincarnation? Stories such as James Leininger's are as close as we are likely to ever get to winning that grand prize. Disbelievers like to dismiss such tales with words like coincidence, or worse, hoax. In this case, coincidence obviously strains credulity. Hoax is always possible. But see that chapter in Yesterday's Sky if you'd like a source for another 1,700 similarly documented cases. I was delighted to find A-rated birth data for James Leininger in AstroDataBank. For those of you who are new to evolutionary astrology, let me provide a quick summary of our technique for scrying the outlines of a past life story from a present-day birth chart, or at least for getting to the karmic essence of it. I want to emphasize that these are stable, standard, analytic techniques which I've taught to thousands of people, written about extensively, and used for many years with my private clients. I'm not in any way adjusting the methodology to make it better fit Leininger's story. So let's put the techniques to the test. The process starts by discerning who the person was in the prior lifetime. There are three steps to accomplishing that. Look to the lunar south node in terms of its sign and house. See if any planets are conjunct the south node. Look at the sign and house position of the planetary rulers of the south node and any planets conjunct them. Next, we discern the circumstances the person faced by adding two more steps to the analysis. What aspects, other than the conjunction, are formed by the south node? And what aspects, other than the conjunction, are formed by the South Node's ruler or rulers? Let's go through these steps methodically, one by one, as we analyze James Leininger's chart, seeing how well they resonate with the story he tells. South Node Sign and House James Leininger's South Node lies in Pisces and in the Sixth House. When we think of war, Pisces is not the first sign to come to mind. But remember, the South Node refers to unresolved karma carried forward into the present life. If that is true, then we should see it quite visibly today. Bullseye! Exactly why are you now hearing about James Leininger? Because he demonstrated the spectacularly Piscean mystical and psychic feat of recalling the details of a previous lifetime, details that were precise and verifiable. That salient, defining fact of Leininger's present life reflects Pisces perfectly, and hence at a prior-life psychic development. Take it a step further. Over the years ahead, how many times is James Leininger going to hear the words... Oh, you're the guy that book was about. Karma haunts us in the present life, and it is far from always being a welcome or pleasant thing. What about the South Node being in the sixth house? That spells duty, required behaviors, servants, and, of course, he was under orders in his prior life as an aviator. He was, after all, a soldier. How many truly Piscean souls have ever felt like going to war? Mostly, they did so only because they were required to. In this prior lifetime, James' soul was conditioned by that classic sixth house parameter, obeying orders. We might further tie house and sign together and speculate that he had been some kind of spiritual disciple in a lifetime prior to his experiences as a World War II fighter pilot. Perhaps he was once a monk under vows of obedience and service, and perhaps that's where he developed his psychic sensitivities. Monks and nuns, by the way, wear uniforms in order to minimize individual differences. So do soldiers. Planets conjunct the South Node in James Leininger's chart, we see two such planets, Jupiter and Venus, with the south Node squeezed in between them. At a deep level, we are again seeing evidence of a person with a benign, loving nature. Do we have a problem here? Initially, we are quick to recognize that, so far, none of this seems to have the slightest connection with James Leininger's horrific past-life memories. But remember where we are in our procedural outline. We are still looking at his nature rather than at his circumstances. How many benign, loving humans have been caught up in war against their wills and their natures simply because they were under orders? Is that the story we are seeing emerge? So far, though, we've still not encountered any evidence of Japanese anti-aircraft fire. Listen on for that. We will soon get there. Jupiter and Venus, in conjunction with the South Node, can be read in a more superficial way, too, and still tells us something that might be useful to know. Whatever its fearful realities, from a social perspective, being a fighter pilot is a dashing romantic role. At least, that's the public perception. Jupiter and Venus reflect those star qualities. If you doubt what I'm saying, watch that old Tom Cruise film, Top Gun. The Planetary Rulers of the South Node In this case, we have two such rulers. Neptune, the modern ruler of Pisces, and Jupiter, its classical ruler. I always advocate using both of them. With the classical ruler often more focused on the person's objective past-life situation, and the modern ruler typically giving us more psychological information. What it felt like at the time, more than what it looked like, in other words. We've already explored Jupiter, since it is conjunct the South Node. All that we add by knowing that it is also the ruler of the South Node is a little more emphasis on the star-quality Jupiter dimensions of his previous identity, while fading the Venusian elements a bit simply by comparison. Neptune has the nature of Pisces, and so the planet itself doesn't add much that we have not already seen. However, Neptune lies in early Aquarius, late in the fourth house, and that's valuable new information. Neptune being an Aquarius adds a rebel note to the mix that James felt like an outsider. The term felt like is echoed in Neptune's placement in the very hidden and feeling-oriented fourth house. Note how we are once again seeing the theme of a person under orders to be in a situation antithetical to his actual nature. Remember, though, our attention is still focused on learning about James' prior life identity. Figuring out the circumstances he faced still lies ahead in our analysis. Superficial does not always mean unimportant, and astrology can often supply us with interesting superficial information as well as deeper psychological perspectives. Here's an example of that. In the astrology books of the first half of the 20th century, Aquarius was often connected with aviation. That's faded a bit lately. Nowadays, we often see Aquarius connected instead with the digital revolution. Those are two entirely different subjects, but they both have the same archetypal Aquarian DNA, modernism, however it happens to be defined in the moment. Put yourself back in 1945. Airplanes, especially cutting-edge fighting airplanes, were the essence of modernism, and James was piloting one of them. There is an example of a very literal expression of the Aquarian dimension of his node-ruling Neptune. Going deeper, let's note that the fourth house is always connected with home and family. Let's further add that Japan was a fearsome enemy, and that there were serious concerns that the Japanese war machine could defeat and subjugate the United States and rule it with cruelty. How many soldiers who fought in World War II felt, very sincerely and quite rationally, that they were fighting to defend their land and the people they loved? There's another fourth house dimension of our analysis, one that is particularly resonant with the self-sacrificial elements of Pisces and Neptune. To be willing to die for your country. How do we translate that sentiment into astrological language? Neptune in the fourth house is one obvious possibility. So that's who James Leininger was in the prior lifetime. That's what his present chart reveals about his nature back then. Let's turn to the next question. What actually happened to him? What aspects are formed by the South Node? The matrix of aspects, other than conjunctions, that impact the South Lunar Node, along with its planetary rulers, carry us directly to the next level of our analysis. With all that we've considered so far, we have been exploring James Leininger's past life character. Now it's time to add some plot to the story. What, and perhaps who, impacted him in this previous incarnation? What did he face? And what did he leave unresolved to be faced again in this present lifetime? want to thank Steve for granting permission to play part of that here, and then I asked him if we could do the full episode in the private group, and he said yes. So if you'd like to hear it, come on and get in the course. But also we'll let you know when the book is available as an audiobook. Now tomorrow I'm going to be talking about the really cool moment of watching the eclipse. You got to hear this story. It was magical. Back with that in the morning. See ya. Have a good Sunday.